Precious loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity we now have to spend this time together and to just learn what it means to be husband and wife in the Lord. We know that there are those who have been married for decades and those who just got married and everyone in between. And we invite you, Lord, to tabernacle with us, to give us wisdom from above as we talk about a topic that is of great importance. Sometimes it could be lighthearted, at the, at the moments very serious. And so strengthen us today in our time we spend together, and may you be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I want to share something with you. I told you my wife and I, we have been married 35 years, and by God's grace, we have this new saying that we developed last year. And I want to, I want to invite my wife to come up and share it with you. We were, in the, we were in the Cayman Islands. Come on up, honey. Let's, let's make her welcome with a hearty amen. Or you want to clap, whatever you want to do. Yes. When we were, when we were in the Cayman Islands last year, we, we always try to celebrate. One of the things that we do is we celebrate. Do we celebrate, honey? Yeah, we do, especially our anniversaries. It's like Christmas, isn't it? That's right. So whenever something happens, we always tell people, not that day, that's our anniversary. Uh, we have a school in Thompsonville, and it just so happens that every year, graduation, everything about our life is around something that has to do with the church or the school or the conference. Her birthday is when I'm at pastor's meetings. My birthday is when we're at camp meeting. And the school graduation is during our anniversary. So we try to always work around that, and we said to ourselves, if we had known that our anniversary would fall at such a critical time in church, we would have picked a different time, but we picked May 22nd, 1983. Write that down. Next year, we'll give you our address. You can send us gifts when you like to. <laughs> but May 22nd, 19... But this year, what was our saying, honey? Let's do it together. Together. Wait. Together, together forever, forever. Eternity, eternity in, in view. view. And that has become such a, such a saying in our marriage, in our relationship, that sometimes we could be in an audience, in a, in a room, or an audience like this, and I'd make eye contact with her, and we'd go like this. And we know what that is. That is our secret language. But now you all know. So we are selling it. There's a copyright. It's two ninety five per day. <laughs> no. All by usage. No, if you stop just tell it. us how many times. Behave yourself. <laughs> if you tell us how many times you use it, we'll Honey, just give us your credit card information. <laughs> but um, we have fun together. We laugh together. We cry together. We we uh, protect each other from the outside world, and then sometimes we protect each other from each other. But if you've been married, you know what I'm talking about. Because no two people are alike. And what I want to begin today by talking about, I want to talk about the evidence of a long and prosperous marriage. Because, you know, there, different people have different ideas about a prosperous relationship. And we believe a prosperous relationship is a relationship that stays together through the ups and downs, the hard times, the easy times. When couples really get to the place where the wife wants to shoot the husband and the Husband wants to run through a glass window without opening it. 
You know, you have those days. Am I telling the truth? And if you've been married more than a decade or 20 years or 50 years or 30 years, you know you didn't get there on a flowery bed of ease. You got there because you decided, okay, honey, we are so messed up that if we left each other, nobody would want us anyway. So we're going to stay together. And there's some people that are so messed up, when they leave, they come back anyway because I can't find anybody that wants to do what I want them to do, so I'm coming back. But marriage is intended by God to be a blessing. Can I get an amen? But the devil, just like he attacks the Sabbath, he attacks the marriage. He wants the marriage to be a, a perpetual hardship, a curse. And just like he says the Sabbath is a burden, he tries to make marriage a burden. But marriage is beautiful. The only problem with marriage is it's a daily job. But I heard something that's very important. They said, if you find a job you like, it's no longer work. Amen. So if you, if you love your wife, it's no longer work. If you love your husband, it's no longer work. But you don't fool yourself into thinking that you can show up every day and have a successful relationship without thinking. Because you got to think. Because wives ask questions sometimes that husbands answer and get in trouble just for answering. You know what I'm talking about, right? So be careful when your wife asks you a question because she's thought long and hard about the answer. And by the time she gets the courage to ask you, notice her body language. So let me ask you a question. Uh, so what happened yesterday at 2.35 p.m. in front of the store? I mean, she has all the facts put together. What happened yesterday at 2.35 p.m. in front of the store? Nothing, honey. I wasn't there. I mean, so you got to be really careful in how you ask questions. But one story that I'd like to begin with that's lighthearted um, is two couples that were married for 50 years. And after 50 years, they sat on the couch together. You know, by the way, you get to the point where you're so predictable. You know what I'm talking about? Where you could predict each other. You know what she's going to say. You know what he's going to say. You start ending each other's sentences. We're already at that stage. But sometimes you take each other for granted and you sit down with family or on the couch and you're kind of like, okay, it's the news. And you just take each other for granted. So one day the wife broke into the silent mode of the husband's recessitudes and she said, you know, I remember, I remember when you used to hug me. And then he just slid over and put his arm around his wife. You guys, your, your arms are crossed. Follow my example. Oh, okay, I'm starting trouble here. That's her brother. I'm telling her to hug her brother. I revoke that counsel. <laughs> you know who your spouse is. Don't let me mess you up. <laughs> but anyhow, so he, he slides over and he puts his arms around her and hug her. And then she said, I remember those days when you used to whisper sweet nothings in my ear. And he just tilted up, uh, began to whisper sweet nothings in her ear. And she said, I also remember when you used to nibble on my earlobes. And he got up and ran. She said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get my teeth. I'll be back. <laughs> Things are going to change. Things are changing. Am I right? Don't fall in love with things that change. Like the one who said to his wife, you snore so hard, you make my teeth rattle. And she said, move them further from the bed. <laughs> things change. 
we are all going to change. Amen? And, and in that light, we tend to marry people that are not just like us. Because in many cases, this is true, in many cases, people look for people that are not like them, but that are so not like them that they wouldn't really have any problem flourishing themselves. Because, you know, you hear the phrase, opposites. That's right. Listen to some of these comparisons. Dr. Gary Chapman, and my wife is a wonderful researcher. She gave this to me, and I thought it was great. And this may be true about some of you. Talkers often marry people who are quiet and reflective. Mm-hmm, sure. It could be him or her, but I tend to think, and ladies don't throw anything at me, but I tend to think that women have a greater gift of gab than guys. Can I, can, is there a brave enough guy to say amen? He's by himself, see? There's nobody in the seat next to him. But we have you on video. We're going to send it to your wife. Early risers, get this, early risers often marry those who don't do mornings. <laughs> people who like to make things happen often marry people who enjoy reading about what happened. People who live by the philosophy a place for everything and everything in its place, often marry those whose most common question is, where is it? <laughs> I'm, I just visited with somebody. Their house was immaculate. Because the moment the guy lays something down, the wife put it where it was supposed to be. The only problem after 15 years is he didn't know where that was. Where is it? It's where it's supposed to be. And so what will happen, ladies, we will appreciate when you move things, give us instructions as to where you put them. Give us, give us directions. You know, like turn right, pass the fridge, turn left, second drawer, bottom shelf, drawer number two, row number three. That's the kind of OCD women that live out there. Now, there are guys that are that way too. I pray for those guys. Planners often marry people who want to work out the details as they go along. There's some guys that say, let's go to, let's go to dinner. And some women won't go until you, they say, well, where are we going? To dinner. Where? A restaurant. Which one? Chinese restaurant. Which one? Mao Zedong. What does it matter? Which one? And they want to, what, what, what do they want to eat? Food. I mean, what kind of food? They want all the details before they leave the house where a guy will be completely content to say, would you just go with me to dinner? We've done this before. I think we'll survive. Amen? Like one guy said, I found the success of marriage. We go to dinner twice a week. I go on Tuesdays, she go on Thursdays. <laughs> well, that's not us. We love to eat out together. Now, we don't have children, but I want to tell you this. My wife knows how to cook. And she's a great West Indian cook, ve vegetarian, vegan. She could make vegan food with a Jamaican flavor. Mark Anthony is a good cook, but I don't think he has a chance against my wife. <laughs> she's Jamaican flavors and Jamaican spices. Yeah. Makes a big difference. Homebodies often marry people that love to go out. Do we have to go out? Don't we have everything in the house we already need? Could we go outside? And I noticed this, the other thing, wives like to walk. Can we go for an evening walk? 
Guys don't see any sense in having an evening walk. We have things in the house to touch, like our saw, our chainsaw. Do I have any guys like that, like me? My wife says, couldn't we go for a walk together? That's okay, honey. I'll be here when you get back. But you know what? After 35 years, my wife and I walk together now. Come on, ladies. It's going to work. Just keep it up. It'll work. She got me out of the house, and we walk now. And and I'm going to tell you guys, it really does... Ladies might help me on this one. It's beautiful when the husband and wife can walk after dinner, because that's when Adventists walk, after dinner. After dinner, go for a nice evening walk, get the blood going, you go to bed. And whether it's country, whether it's city, whether it's cold or whether it's warm, because some people don't really care what the weather is, they're going to walk anyway. And, uh, but it's good to get together. And my wife and I have learned that the value of communication is we walk together. And when my wife comes to back, when we come back, my wife always affirms me by saying, Honey, that was so special to me. And if, if, and if you do that, the husband would say, Hey, let's do this again tomorrow. And it really works. So, and the other good thing about it, it does help in digestion, Right? Penny pinchers often marry spenders who say you can't take it with you. Somebody know what I'm talking about. <laughs> avid, avid readers often marry TV addicts. <laughs> Joggers often marry swimmers. Channel surfers often marry commercial watchers. That's my wife and me. She's a channel surfer. I remember the commercials. And somehow, country western devotees marry people that like symphony. We are all different, but the Lord says, the two shall become one flesh. Amen? I heard a pastor say this, and I always appreciated this. The question is, how shall they be one? Listen carefully. He is male, she is female. He is tall, and she is short, or maybe she is tall and he is short. How shall they be one? He is from the country. She's from the city. He's not well-educated. She's well-educated. How shall they be one? She comes from a close family. He comes from a family, a family that does not visit. He comes from a church-going family. She comes from a family that only goes to funerals. How shall they be one? He likes his food, food well-salted. She doesn't. He likes rich cakes, ice creams, and cakes. She doesn't. She likes the house warm and the thermostat up. He doesn't. It could be 96 degrees outside. My wife wants the car seat heated. That's what happened on the way here. Honey, but it's 92 degrees outside. I don't really care. I want my seat to be warm. And I'm turning mine all the way down. What, one funny, this happened one winter. Have you, ever gotten the, have you ever gotten the heating controls mixed up on your blanket? Anybody? You ever had that happen? And like, <laughs> like, honey, I'm turning this down and I'm baking. And she says, I'm turning mine up and I'm freezing. Because <laughs> I, I, I had the wrong remote. When we put the heating blanket together, somehow under the bed, we, we switch sides. So I'm like trying to cool down and she's trying to warm up and I'm like... <sighs> Get me water. Every bit of moisture in my body is vanished, and she keeps turning the temperature up, and I'm turning it down. She says, it's freezing. 
And we realized like at 2 o'clock in the morning when neither of us could sleep, is it possible we have the wrong remotes? <laughs> That's what happened. So now, now that she has power surges, <laughs> and men, you know you have your hot flashes too. Come on now, let's be honest. But they happen once every month, you know. Now that you have those body temperature things that go up and down, neither one of us needs a heating blanket. Can we say amen? Because when I'm cold, I just slide over to the other side of the bed. She likes the electric blanket to the max during winter. He doesn't. He is short-tempered, and she is too. How shall they be one? She has great credit. His credit is shot. She likes to run around with the girls. He likes to run around with the girls too. How shall they be one? So we're going to talk about the differences and appreciate the things that we have in common. All right? But let's talk about something today that's really important. And um, there are two types of personalities. How many types did I say? Two types of personalities. And I guarantee you they're hiding in this audience somewhere. Two types. There is the Dead Sea. And then there is the babbling brook. <laughs> I guess you guys know where I'm headed with this, right? Let's talk about the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. Poor guy. Most guys are Dead Seas. The Dead Sea, information flows in while his wife is sharing with him everything that she learned over the last week. He is saying, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Wonderful. And she's waiting for a reaction, but he's a dead sea. Information flows in, and what flows out, guys? Nothing. We've learned it's safe to just listen and not to respond. But that's not always good. The dead sea guy receives thought, feelings, experiences, and are content not to talk about them. Isn't that right? How are you feeling? Fine. Do you need anything? No. Are you full? Yes. Are you hungry? Yes. Which one are you, full or hungry? Yes. He just doesn't want to talk. And I can guarantee you he came from a family where the dad probably said, children are to be seen and not heard. And I, I came from a family that way too, but as you can see, it didn't work. Because although the man that raised me whispers West Indian, see, West Indians have this law. It's like the 11th commandment. Don't break into adult conversation while they're talking. That's, a, that's like in the West Indies, that's like the rule of law. I think in Latino families too. In some American families, they have that. But for the most part, see, white people help their children communicate. I've learned the difference. They say, uh, are you upset? Well, tell me why. And they help young children grow up with communication skills. Now, in black families, are you upset? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, really, that's, that's cultural. That's not my business. Go to your room. That's the kind of family I was raised in. So, like, are you okay? Yeah, but don't say anything. And so we have to learn the delicate balance because there's a delicate balance between don't break in and let me know how you feel. And when we learn that delicate balance, we can raise children that know how to communicate, but they do understand the difference when adults are talking not to break in. Amen? Because that happens in, in my church. 
sometimes I'm talking to people, and um, some of the kids come right up to us and say, oh, by the way, and I said, excuse me? Uh, I want to tell you, just hold a moment. And you know, when we train them and give them time to learn that way, they'll grow up to be respectful. Nobody wants a dead sea, but nobody wants a babbling brook. Let's see what, what more there is about the Dead Sea. What else is there? The Dead Sea, when asked what's wrong, they respond with what? Nothing's wrong. Their arm is short. Their legs are not working. I'm just fine. I'll be okay. You're all right. I'm fine. And those are the kind of individuals that will, are perfectly comfortable. You give a Dead Sea a computer, you'll never see them again. Am I touching some nerves here today? Where's your husband? And anytime you ask him, where's your husband? He's in that room. And you go in that room and you smell the presence of her husband. It's, it's all over the walls. When he leaves, it still smells like he's there. Because that's the only, he loves to be recluse. That's his room. And in that room is the only place he forbids his wife to touch anything. Am I telling the truth? That the OCD lady is prohibited from going in there. And nothing, nothing stresses her out more than to stand at the entrance of her husband's private room and look in, and nothing is where it's supposed to be. But that's his domain. Thank you, Lord, for husband's domain. That was a brave guy. The Dead Sea. The Dead Sea... would say to you, what makes you think something's wrong? Because for him, it is natural not to talk. Now, let's go to the babbling brook. The babbling brook, whatever they see or hear, they talk about it. If you don't want to listen, they call somebody and tell them. You can hear them. You're walking up the steps, you can hear them. They're on the phone. You pass the kitchen, they're on the phone. You're watching TV, they're on the phone. If the phone doesn't work, they go to the neighbor's house. The babbling brook has to have someone to listen or else they're going to die. Because words are piling up that they need to get release from. And if they can't talk, they could die within a matter of hours. The babbling brook. They're the ones, they're babbling brooks, and I like that Christian Berdahl is talking about Facebook because the babbling brook, if they live in the Facebook generation, you can tell who they are. They are posting all day long. And you say to yourself, do they do anything else but be on Facebook? All, you know, first post, 12 o'clock, next post, 12.02, next post, 12.04, next post, 12.06. And the babbling brook, if they go to the hospital, they have pictures of them in the hospital. If they're about to get a surgery, they have a picture of their doctor and the surgeon. While they're in the surgery, they tell the, one of the surgical nurses, could you videotape this because my friends want to know what happened to me. They got to tell the world everything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The babbling brook. And you go to their Facebook page and you say, pray for that poor soul. But the sad part of the babbling brook is sometimes they can't pay attention to the sermon because during the sermon, they have their Bible on their iPhone and they get a call or a text during the sermon. So while they're looking for the text, they're also while they're looking for the Bible text, they're also responding to a text because they got to communicate. 
And they're the ones that during the sermon, I know somebody at the Babbling Brook once during the sermon, you, you, they're reading a magazine or they're knitting because to sit for 30 minutes is like torture because that means the guy up front is talking and they can't. So the Babbling Brook is the one that made this rule. Sermons should not be longer than 20 minutes. That was a rule made by a babbling brook. But the guy that's the Dead Sea, he doesn't care if the sermon is an hour and a half because he's not going to talk anyway. And those are the personalities that are in our marriages. What else can we learn about the babbling brook? They are the people that say, do you know what just happened? Do you know what I just saw? Do you know what I just heard? That's the babbling brook. And they'll see you across the room. And I'm going to tell you, my wife and I learned this. I don't know what's happening, but there's a shift taking place in our world because there are more men becoming babbling brooks than ever before. Have any of you noticed that? I don't know, what, I don't know how that's happening. But more men, I think I made the point. A babbling brook. And by the way, this research, and I trust his research, Dr. Gary Chapman, he says, the babbling brook, they don't have a filter. They just like to talk. Dead seas are comfortable with babbling brooks because they are not pressured to talk. Here's the hope. Dead seas can learn to talk, and babbling brooks can learn to slow the flow. Amen? Now today, come on up, honey. Today, we're going to do some active role-playing, but you know what? Instead of us doing it, guess what's going to happen? Let me see if that couple is here. Ah, there he is, Tiny Tim. <laughs> we met a couple. Of, uh, we met a guy. When I grow up, I want to be like him. Come on up, honey, because we're going to be the facilitators. We're going to talk about keys to active listening. And yesterday, do you remember the two words? The two words, they both start with the letter E. Anybody remembers what they are? Empathetic and egocentric. Say that with me. Empathetic and egocentric. Empathetic and, you know, naturally we are all egocentric to some degree. The babbling brook and the Dead Sea are both, in, by nature, egocentric. So my wife and I today... Check and see if that's on. Yes, yes. Okay. My wife and I today are going to give some examples. Yesterday, if you remember the first two examples, one, what are the ways that we, we, we talk? What's the first way that we talked about talking yesterday? Talking with your what? With your eyes. Mm -hmm. And the next one is talking with your, with your mouth. Now, don't we naturally talk with our mouth? Mm -hmm. But in this example of talking with our mouth, what were we supposed to do with our mouth? Do you remember what we were supposed to do with our mouth while we talked? Listen, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Help me. <laughs> oh, my wife. You helped me put this together, honey. I did, I did. I'm going to whisper. We're supposed to keep our mouths closed. Closed, yes. Don't speak. <laughs> you didn't hear me say that, did you? Yeah. Right, so you, to, to, to listen with your mouth means show them how to do it, honey. Keep your mouth closed. To listen with your mouth. To listen with your mouth means not to say anything. Right. Don't say anything. Keep it. <laughs> this is great because we have to go home together we didn't after this. We rehearse this. 
<laughs> and it's best when you don't rehearse it because, because it's natural. Nothing stresses me more than people that are so polished. Anybody else? Like they're so polished, like they don't make mistakes. We, we are not Boy, like that. We are just so completely unpolished. unpolished. We're so both unpolished. raised in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. What you see is what you get. Okay, is that all right? <laughs> but I'd like to have a couple. I'd like to have a couple. Oh, right here. Oh, come on up. Bring your wife with you. She's written many marriage books. She is a great writer, and he's a great reader. She's written you wonderful didn't get that. marriage books. Opposite of tracks. She's a great writer, and he's a great reader. Come on up here. She's written a now, marriage I know you don't jump devotional. Up this is the guy that I want to be like when I grow up. He's got more muscle in one arm than I have in my entire body. I shook his hand yesterday. I thought I was shaking the, you know, it's like, <laughs> you ever shake those guys' hands that they just like, you can't even squeeze them. But these guys today are going to show us. Tell us your name again, honey. You have the, you have the microphone. Tell us your names and hold that nice and close. Where are you from? Tell us where you're from. This, this is my wife, Delana Shisky, and I'm Steve Shisky, and we're from Linden, Michigan. Tell We've us been married. This will be our 21st year of being married. Amen. And we're only 40 years old. <laughs> I'm only uh, 40. I know. Ah, uh, see. <laughs> we have, we do have three wonderful children. One's 20 years old, which is in the audience over here. Then we have an 18-year-old that's on his way up right now. Okay. And my youngest is four, 15 years old, and she's somewhere on camp right now. Okay. And tell us a little bit about yourself. And your ministry, because she has a beautiful ministry. Matter of fact. Those devotionals for, that you shared with us yesterday, tell us about that. I have spent most of my life, have, or most of my life being a writer. I'm a Christian writer, homemaker of my three children, and um, my latest uh, devotional is a couple's devotional that I wrote for couples. That's right. So. Now, opposites attract. She writes, he reads. Am I right? Because you're not a writer, right? Okay, she's the writer and he reads. Now, what we want you to do today, my wife and I are going to be, kind of coach you. Um, you're, going to, you're going to listen with your neck. And you're going to talk, he's going to listen with his neck. <laughs> now, what we want you to do is you kind of, yeah, right, because we want to see him. And this is not a good way to listen with your hands like that. Because when you listen like that, it's like my neck is moving, but I'm not letting anything come in. I'm going to hire him for security because <laughs> he's the guy to have on your side. So now listen with your neck. What you want to do is nodding your head indicates I'm trying to understand what you're saying. I'm with you. So now tell him whatever you want. If there's something you want to tell him that you haven't told him yet, this is the perfect time to do it. <laughs> because I don't understand where you're coming from now. What do you, come, what do you talk about? Okay. No, but use the microphone. We're not here. We're not here. Okay, well, let's see. This morning when I was going and I was driving into town and I tried to, you know, parallel park and I'm not a parallel parker and your truck is bigger than, you know, anything. And so I, I didn't hit anything. <laughs> That's, good. <laughs> That's good. Amen. He was listening, but he made a comment. He said, that's a good thing, and that was a positive comment. <laughs> Instead of saying, I'm, are you sure you didn't hit anything? That would have been a negative comment. She would have shut down. But he was listening with his neck. Show them how to listen with your neck. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you go, yeah, I could get that. Mm -hmm. 
Even if you're going through stresses, let your neck do it all. Well, the truck would stress him out. Huh? The truck would stress him out. I've never driven it before. Okay. Okay. Since you did so well, we're going to have you do one more. Okay. Now, this time, he's going to be the talking, and you're going to be the one that's going to be... Okay. Here, okay, here. Now, uh, now this time, you're going to listen with your hands. Oh, that was perfect, perfect. She talks with her hands. So now you're going to listen with... Switch places so they can see her go through a stressful moment. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. So, now, don't fidget with pen or paper or don't have a television remote. Let your hands relax at your side. Don't put them behind your neck or, or stretch to the ceiling as if you're bored. Just, it's your turn. Tell her whatever you want to tell and see if she can. How many chickens, you know how many chickens we got? We got chicken issues at home. How are we going to handle it when we get home? What's the best thing to do? We have a rodent getting into our chickens and trying to get our chickens. So what should I do with them? Should I set a trap or should I, you know, take them out one by one? What do you think? I don't know. Or should we let the dog out? Or the dog may just get scared of the chickens and run back home. Or should we get the horse behind us to take care of the deal? What do you think? Okay. So now when he says, what do you think, he's just opened the door to come in. Okay? Wonderful. Can we give him a hand? Do you want to do one more? You're doing so great. I think we're videotaping this. This might become a product. Let's see which, oh, wow, wow. Okay, this is going to be great. Listen with your back. Now, lean forward occasionally while your spouse is talking rather than sitting rigidly. This means we're going to get you to sit down. Which one do you want to do this? Who has the most difficulty sitting more. still? You talk more? <laughs> he can't sit still. Okay, so you're going to be the one that's going to have to sit still. <laughs> Don't know if this chair will fit you, but let's try. <laughs> I love, if he just picks me up and squeezes the acne out of me, you know what happened. Because <laughs> he's a little guy. Okay, and since you're going to be talking, you sit right there. And uh, now... A slight forward movement of the body communicates you have my full attention. Okay, so. <laughs> this really okay. isn't accurate because he doesn't have his phone in his hand. He doesn't have what? His phone in his hand. Oh, this is amazing. This is the moment you waited for, right? <laughs> okay, so now, go ahead. Okay, in answer to the chickens, well, the other day I was out with the chickens and I decided to watch them to see which ones were pecking the eggs because we wanted to get rid of the chickens that were pecking the eggs. And so I spent the whole morning watching them. Lean forward. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I decided it was the Brahmas. And I don't want to get rid of the Brahmas, but I have to get rid of the Brahmas because they're the ones pecking the eggs. And so what do you think we should do? But, and no, I don't want you to take them out. Okay. So she asked him, what do you think we should do? And what did you say? Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> Let's thank them both. Thank you so much. Okay. He picked that chair up with one hand. Wow. I know nobody breaks into his house. Thank you so much. Now, here's the other one. I, I, let me see who, oh yeah, this is a good one. Anybody here, you got to, 
Anybody want to participate and listen with your feet? Can I get a couple to do that? Okay, you guys down front, you're so close to the stage. Come on up. Don't worry about it. We have smelling salts in case you faint. Yes. Say that, honey. Tell us your names and where you're from and how long you've been married. I'm Rick. I'm Mary. We're the Carvers. And we've been married 12 years now. All right. Okay. Where are you from? Where do you live? Here in Vestaburg. Is that where we are? We're at, well, we're in Edmore, but okay. we're like Cedar, Lake. <laughs> Cedar Lake. We're all one area. We're from this area. So you're home? We are home. Okay, good. Do you have any children? No. Okay. Pets galore. Pets galore, he said. I learned something about that couple. They have chickens. The other couple that was up here, they just have chickens. Where do they go? Where did he went? He went to get water? He oh, he went to get his phone. Okay. <laughs> okay, so what you're gonna, which one of you want to be the listener? I'll listen. He's smart. He said he'll, he, he'll listen. Okay, since we stood over here, now you stand over this side. You're going to tell him whatever you want to tell him. You stand here, and you're going to listen with your feet. Let me see how you demonstrate that. Well, the other couple had chickens, but as you know, we have duckies. We have Hannah, Michelle, Rue, Scampers. We also have Monkey. Well, tell him something. We know I'm he know, you know. Tell him something he doesn't know. Or tell him whatever's on your mind, but I think he knows that you have duckies and chickens okay. and scampies. Get personal, but not too personal. I wish I had ironed that shirt you're wearing, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. He's got to just listen with his feet. Okay. Um, Go for it. I'm failing. It's time to use the white strips too, my love. Um, thanks for coming with me today. I love when you come places with me, especially church functions. Aren't you enjoying this seminar? <laughs> I think the main thing is that you're not walking out. I could say something that might make him walk out, but I wouldn't do that. You good? Wow. Hey, come on, let's. A good sense of humor. Now it's your turn to respond. Now, this is going to be listen for prospective. Now, this is going to be a little challenging, could be a little bit. What this means is you listen to understand your spouse's interpretation of the situation and his or her feelings about what has happened. Okay, so you're going to listen to his interpretation about the situation and his feelings. This situation? Yeah, you're going to talk to her, and she's going to be listening to your, she's going to be trying, trying to interpret what you're saying, and she's going to be listening for your feelings. Yeah. Oh, she, she tries to interpret my feelings all the time. Because uh, as you know, I have a tendency to trip over words when I'm trying to express. Um, okay, hold it nice and high. And, and I try and... 
think a little bit more about what I'm saying rather than just saying it because I know sometimes I go off and I ramble and I'm the babbling brook sometimes that okay. we were talking about. Okay, so you ready now? So we're <laughs> going to back up and let you do that. I just did it. <laughs> okay, now, but... She's listening. She's listening with her eyes. Mm-hmm. She, she gave me eye contact. She's listening with her mouth. She's listening with her back. She's listening with her feet. She's giving me full, full footage. <laughs> yeah, I know she's listening. And I know that uh, she's a very good, you are a very good interpreter. I know that you think about things that are being said to you. And even though... Oh, shirts may be wrinkled, or teeth might not be white, that you understand. Yeah. I think that's pretty good listening. He is. He is listening. Yeah. Wasn't that wonderful? Thank you. That was nice. Absolutely. I love that. Because he could have easily, you notice how he took that compliment she gave him earlier about his shirt yeah. and the white strips? Yeah. He, he, let, he rolled with it. That's good because some guys could some say, guys, yeah. well, in that case, I'll never use white strips again. Yeah. So here, watch my feet. Yeah, you know? yeah. Some, some guys get insulted. You know, they, they don't want to hear it. So that was good. Oh, I don't want to hear it, but when it's You don't want to hear it again? I don't want to hear it, but when it's true, I mean, what can you say? Exactly, exactly. Wow. And that was brave of you to have her say that publicly. Yes, but that was good. And you're still here. <laughs> That's good. What, what made you, let me ask you, what made you feel so comfortable to say that? I can say anything to him. And I was kind of on the spot for what to say, so I guess I was just visually, what can I say? I'm looking at him, what can I say? He can't cut his hair this time of year, so I couldn't comment on that. <laughs> so you feel perfectly comfortable to communicate anything? Pretty much. You're very open with each other. There are a few things that I know we have to work on. Um, and they're delicate, so we have to have a special time to, and we have to work up to it and say we're going to talk about these things and be kind to one another when we do and not walk out, which we won't do. Our feet will stay. Good. And you will listen. And you, I like how you look at each other. That's so important to make that eye contact. Wow. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Tell us thank your name you. one more time. Mary. And? Rick. Let's make them feel comfortable. Thank you so much, Mary Thank and Rick. You. Thank you. Thank you. Let's see what else we have here, honey. Let's see what else. What is a... Uh, okay. This is a... Uh, now read this one. Resist the urge to share your perspective before your spouse feels understood. Now, you know what that means? Tell us that. Don't tell your spouse that he or she doesn't have the facts straight it's, it's, mis, it's misunderstanding. Is, is misunderstanding your intentions. Is right. Yeah, don't tell your spouse that he, he or she didn't have the facts straight. Is misunderstanding your intentions or has no right to feel angry or disappointed. You know, and that... We tend to, and we've been there before. The reason why we're able to communicate, because we've been there. After 35 years, you've kind of been everywhere. And there sometimes you might feel the urge to say, if you're going to talk to me, get the facts straight first. Right? 
And some people want to do that. Or they say, you know, you don't understand what, what, was, what, what my intentions were. Or you have no right to feel angry or disappointed. And people tend to, instead of listening, what's the word? Or in the other one? Empathetically. Empathetically. And that is what? Yeah, you should understand. Walk in their shoes, you know. Just say, I know. You don't know how they feel, but try to walk in their, sh their shoes to mm -hmm. see how they feel. Because we've done that. I said, I've done that with you. I say, just try to understand what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. And then you say, okay, I, I get it. So it's important to do that, to be empathetic mm -hmm. with each other. And notice how I listened with my, my head, my eyes. Oh, that's true. And my we feet. did. <laughs> notice it said, practice what you preach. Amen. <laughs> and that's true because even I, I come from a family, she's the youngest of eight, where everybody talks and she listens. I come from a family of my sister and I were raised together. And my mom and dad are type A. The people, my mom and dad, my natural mother and father are type A's. You know, so it's easy for me to just become, you know, a talkative person and try to direct her conversation and when you do that what happens is you lose you lose what your spouse whether husband or wife is trying to contribute to the conversation because all you are fixated by is the facts and you know what it's not always important that the facts be right but what's important to the person that's speaking hear me carefully is that whether the facts are right or wrong you're letting her speak. And you can, walk up, you can work on the facts later, but if you let her speak, and if I let my wife speak, and my wife feels understood, we can work on the facts later. But if you want to just, like, you know, that blue car, it was red. It was yesterday morning, it was Friday. And sometimes, and we've learned this, sometimes I'll tell a story and I said, last year, we were in California. She said, it was Arizona. And sometimes we've learned not to do that because that'll interrupt the flow. So in the very same way in communicating, and when the moments are light, you can have fun with that. But when the moments are serious, there's nothing more frustrating to a wife particularly, and in some cases the husbands. But the husbands are on the lesser side of that. The wives are on the higher side of that because we are naturally, by nature, you know, dominant, and, and we are the stronger vessel in the relationship. So the wife wants to know that her words are being heard, and then later on you can work on the facts. The other thing, she doesn't want you to always say, you don't understand, you don't understand, you don't understand. And then all th at the same time, she doesn't want me to say, you don't have any right to feel angry, you have no right to feel disappointed. When in fact, if I was in her shoes, I'll understand what she's disappointed about and what in fact, she has as a reason for being angry. And anger is developed based on what happened, based on what I expect and what you do, what I expect and what you've done. So this is not an easy one. This is not an easy but one. But in, in a marriage, you all, we're always learning, aren't we? That's right. Constantly learning each other. Because isn't it true we change? Um, every, I forgot, every five years or so, we change um, who we are. We yeah. grow in different yeah, we, ways. We cont how, many of you sent, how many of you sense the growth in your spouse? We do, yeah. Because if you're not growing, what's happening? You're dying. If you're not finding places that you're growing, 
you're dying. And here is the way that you know you're growing. When you get to the place where you can talk about the tough topics, am I right? When you can talk about the tough topics, when you feel comfortable as a husband, and when the husband gets to the place where he would rather grind his teeth to the bottom than walk away while his wife is speaking, you know you're growing. Because men, can we be frank about it? Sometimes you don't want to hear. Because sometimes, more than not, you're feeling frustrated. And the frustration often comes, and I can tell you this, and many of you know what I'm talking about, the frustration often comes when your wife discovers something about you that you overlooked, and she's letting you know right off, I don't like that about you. I really don't like You cut me off. You don't look at me in public. When we're around friends, you insult me. Oh, it was so sad. We had, a, we had one of our churches we pastored. Yeah, you could, you could share that. Oh, we, had a, we had a couple in our church. He was a, a strong leader. But after church was over, although he was in a great position of responsibility, an, el an elder, at that time head elder, church was over, his wife would say, hey, let's go. She was very controlling, very. And he would smile. And he was a tough man. He was a man's man. He was a military guy. Yeah. And I knew why he got up every morning to practice karate, because he wanted to do it. He, he, was, he was fighting the air oh, every morning. He, he said, every <laughs> yes. morning I get up and I do karate, because mm -hmm. that's the only way to get his frustrations out. And these are people in their late, what, mid-70s. Yeah, they were mm -hmm. way up there. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were married a long time, and she would insult him with a smile. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? And she'd do that in front of the church. In front of the church. Yeah. And he'd look at everybody like, and, and we'd smile out of discomfort. Because <laughs> we felt bad for him. Yeah. Well, they would have a team, like we're doing a word, like a word game. Oh, yeah. You know, whoever can find the, the Bible verse first, you know, if you love me, stage. Mm -hmm. he'll say, you know, something else. She'll say, stupid is keep my commandments. Yeah. And I felt so bad for him. Yeah. And what happened as a result? What did he do? because of his frustration. Remember that? Oh, he was so awful. Um, he would take it out on all the women of the church. He would just tell them, woman, he said that to me once, woman, uh, don't bother me. And I just shriveled up and I got nervous. I'm like, oh, I just asked him a question. And he would do that to all the women in the church, but he did it to me. And I went, oh. and then I told my husband. Yeah. That's right. And we noticed he was exploding oh, on all the women all in the church. The, he was an elder and exploding like that. And all the women, all the women were complaining about this elder in the church. And, and why do you think happened? he was exploding on the women in the church? Why? Because of his wife. Say it again. Go. Because wasn't he wasn't man enough. To, he did not want to address the That's issue right. in his house. Every yes. day. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he was fighting her in the wind. Yeah, he was always he said, fighting. Every morning I get up and do my jujitsu. I learned it, and he's, <laughs> and he's showing me all he's going through. Yes. And I'm thinking, man. <laughs> he was acting Oh, I'll out. tell you what happened. I'll tell oh, you what yeah. happened. So. Uh, and he's very protective of me, by the way. That's right. So go ahead. Tell him what happened. <laughs> 
I'm very protective of my wife. So anyhow, I had to take him out of office. I took him out of office and said, you know what? And his excuse was, well, if you take me out of office, all these things I do, who's going to do it? I said, we could train somebody to do that, but you don't have the right spirit to be a leader in this church. He didn't. Took him out of office with tears in my eyes. He was old enough to be my dad. But I said, you don't have the right spirit. You cannot be a leader. Your life is not an example. You cannot be a leader in this church. Took him out of office. Replaced him. Put somebody else as the head elder. Mm -hmm. And I said, what you need to do, you need to come to church and sit down. You need to pray more. You need to study your Bible more. And we worked with him one-to-one. And you know, when we left that church, he was, our, he was closer to me yeah. than any other elder. And we still talk. It's That's wonderful right. Guy. We still he talk periodically. He so nice to us. His wife since passed away, but he's still alive. But, he, but they got that worked out. We did. They got that worked out because I addressed it with both of them. That, and that had to do with the house. And she, was a, she always smiled, but you know, you can smile and still insult somebody. Some people say, I'm not, I, do I raise my voice at you? You don't have to raise your voice to insult somebody. You can say, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> With a smile. <laughs> With a smile. Am I right? Wait, come he needs on. To come up here. Come, come on up here, my brother. That's your wife? You're coming right back, but you're not leaving, right? Oh, I'm just kidding. See that? See? It seems to me that tragically what happened, it took his wife passing away for him to get that spirit of, I have some control of my life. Yeah. And unfortunately, what you're saying, I see in church also. That's right. And it, 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 they actually need a, a seminar like this, and someone needs to say, excuse me, you had to deal with this mess. And it's a mess. I, I feel sorry. At 70-some years old, yeah. he's happy now that he's alone. And you know what? We asked him a question after his wife passed away. We said, are you going to get remarried? He said, me? Right. Never again. <laughs> it's like... No, <laughs> I'd rather go back to Iraq. <laughs> and also, it's, we're always learning in marriage. That's right. And Ellen White says it's a school that which you will never graduate from. And it's true. When you're married, you don't. You don't graduate. You don't from graduate. This because you're always learning, aren't we? That's right. I'm so excited my wife is up here with me. You know oh, what? No. Because we don't do these things together. This no. is the first time we're doing a marriage seminar together. And I'm so happy. Come on, can you give us an amen? And let me, tell you, let, me tell you what this is, let me tell you what this means for me and for her. I think that when a husband is concerned about his wife's success and his wife's involvement, that he is moving in the direction of making their relationship stronger. Women were not created by God to always be in the shadows. When people meet us, and this is so fun. We were in New Guinea, we were Australia just recently. And a man came up to us and he said, I want to take a picture with you guys. And my wife said, oh, you mean my husband? He said, no, you. I'm your friend on Facebook. And I don't want his picture. I want yours. Older gentleman, you know. Was a, and he, I listen to you on radio. I listen to your program. I love your program. And she said, he wants, to, he wants my picture. I said, honey, enjoy it. You have your own personality. God has made you a person that he wants to appreciate. I am not my wife, and she is not me. So we should not seek to overpower each other and rob each other of the very gifts and values that God has given to each one of us. Amen, honey? Amen. 
And you know something? I have a friend in California at my church, and we're in touch to this day. This is from the 1990, yeah. Right. And she says to me, you know what, Angela? One thing about you that I like, you never say anything bad about your husband. As, all, as many years as we've been talking, and it's true, I never put him down. We may have our disagreements, but you will never know. I don't tell my mother, I don't tell my sister, my brothers, no one. It's between me and him. That's right. And of course the Lord. And I will never put him down publicly. And he does the same and for I don't me. Do, and I, exactly. You, can, you cannot find a single person that could ever say, I put my wife down. And so, <laughs> yeah. these special moments for us that we grow together, that we, we let people know. I said, my wife is, this is not Pastor John's wife, this is Angela. She has her own name. Amen, ladies. And so, I think that one of the things that a guy can do to really strengthen the relationship that they have is he could find out what interests her and invest in making her life as important as he feels that his life is. And when you do that, you'll find that like a tender flower, your wife will bud in ways that you never thought were imaginable. I use an example to one of the guys. We have a friend. Uh, he always polishes his car. I mean, his car is like always immaculate. He took a, his car was so clean, he took his car back to the dealership to get a new car. It was so clean, they just put it right on the showroom floor. They said, we don't have to do anything. It's, it's ready to go on the lot. It was not a piece of dust. The seats were shining. And I said, if you treat your wife like you treat your car, amen? She, said, she gave me, if you treat your wife like you treat your car, she'll take you farther than your car. Amen? But so often, we get married only to find out how to spend time apart. And that's not God's plan. You know, when you think about it, once your mate, here's the point, once your mate feels he or she will, once your mate feels understood, he or she will be far more likely, uh, far better able to listen to your opinions. That is, in the end, far more better and able to listen to your opinions. And we've learned that. Uh, we, we have conversations at night, we talk, we read our Bibles, then we talk. I'm being practical today because I'm going to get to the 10 steps of conflict resolution. And then the 10 greatest challenges in a marriage. We're going to talk about that tomorrow and Friday. The 10 steps of conflict resolution and the 10 greatest challenges in the marriage. But talk. What word did I just say? Talk. Because some husbands are one word, yes, no, mm-hmm, okay. Say, so grab your husband by the cheeks and say, honey, Talk. Massage those cheeks. <laughs> She's doing that to her husband. Talk. Look at me. And when I look at my wife, when we look at each other, and you talk facing each other, you start noticing things that you didn't notice before, like the beauty of her eyes and her smile and her compassion. And I would tell you, as a husband, I can travel around the world and I know that there's, that there's one person praying for me and there's one person I know I always have my support and that's my wife. So women, let me now flip it. If the husband knows that he's being respected 
Women want love. Husbands want respect. If the husband knows that he is being respected, you're going to see him stick his chest out, feel comfortable, confident. He's going to let you know that he appreciates you. He'll be able to speak in the company of your friends and family and church and know that there's no reason he'll even fear any kind of repercussions from you standing by his side. And when a wife knows she's loved, you're going to notice it in the kitchen. Amen. You're going to get an extra cup of juice. That's if you eat and drink at the same time. But you'll notice that everything is going to be brighter if you begin to simply roll the tape back to when you met and remember what attracted you to each other and begin to work on those things because the things that brought you together can keep you together if you work on them. This is desiring to be better tomorrow than you were the day before. A couple more aspects of this. Number 10, this is important. Let's say that together. What is that? Let's say this. What is that? Number 10, what is it? Ask reflective questions. This is important because this helps to make sure that your spouse knows what you're saying and know that you know what you want to say. In other words, what I hear you saying is that you think, I call this active listening. This is active listening because oftentimes we listen long enough just to get our point in there. We're kind of waiting for the, for, the, for the tower, for the air traffic controller to say, okay, it's your turn to take off. And then we are ready to take off. And we take off either like a jet from an aircraft carrier or we take off like a DC-3 from an old airport. But we're ready to take off. What I hear you say is that you think. Am I hearing you say that? Because sometimes you talk for lengthy periods of time and you're on, the different, top, and you're on different topics called all together. She's saying one thing, you're saying the other. But when you say what I hear you saying is that you think, am I saying that right? Am I understanding you correctly? And when your spouse responds to your question, nod. What's the next word? Affirmatively. Because oftentimes we get so used to each other that we sometimes think we know what the spouse is going to say, but today they're going to say something completely different. And I have made the mistake sometimes, and they, well, oh, I know what you mean. And my wife says, no, you don't know what I mean. You don't know what I'm going to say. And sometimes she puts me back in fifth grade, you don't know what I'm going to say. And I take it because I stepped in when I shouldn't have. It's like putting your hand in the blender while it's on. It's not that bad. But let me tell you, sometimes when you realize, when you cut in, it makes her feel like you're not really caring what I'm saying. But when you say, you know right, honey, honey, and I've gotten to the place, here guys, let me give you guys some of the hints. It's okay for us men to admit that we are wrong. Because by admitting you're wrong means you're admitting that there's room for growth. Ladies, it's okay to admit sometimes that your perspective or what you thought was incorrect because then it gives your husband the freedom to say, ah, oh, finally. <laughs> right? Because some guys are waiting for that because I know some, I'll be honest with you, I know some ladies and I know some couples where one, the, one or the other never, ever, ever admits 
that they are wrong on anything. I did an analysis of a couple not too long ago. And in the analysis that I do, if any of you are interested in that, I can tell you how to do that. We can get you connected to our company to do an analysis. It's very interesting. It's just $35 for both of you to be analyzed. 165 questions. There are no right or wrong answers. But I got the information back from this particular couple that did, that did an analysis, and I realized, and this is amazing. I asked them what the future is going to hold for them because it pointed out that the wife was 100% unrealistic. And the husband was 98% unrealistic. And I thought, this is unrealistic. How are you guys going to work it out? And when you live in an unrealistic world, what you're setting yourself up for is this, is this idea that, oh, everything is going to work itself out. Do you know that that's not true? The garbage doesn't take itself out. The floor doesn't mop itself. The dog doesn't feed himself. In the very same way that you have to tend to chores around the house, tend to the needs of each other. And don't say, well, you know, after 25 years, what could change? You know what? Everything can change. But you have to be, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to say, you know, some days I come home and my wife says, are you okay? And I said, honey, I had a chance to think about yesterday. I am so sorry. I had a chance to think about it. I am so sorry. She said, what are you talking about? And I spe specify, and you know, what, you know what I get, hon? You know what I get, husbands? She goes, come here, honey. Come here, sweetheart. I got to show you what happened. See, some of you guys don't know how to invest. If you don't invest, you don't get any interest. So when I say, honey, I am so sorry, you know what she does? And I feel that warmth. I feel that acceptance. And you know what happens when, she, when, she's, when we're no longer embracing? She says, are you hungry? <laughs> and I know there's going to be any arsenic in it today. <laughs> there never is. But my, but my point is, you invest in the bank and expect interest. If you invest in your relationship, you'll get more than interest. you get a happy wife. And you get a husband that will finally say, you know, what you think, honey, does matter to me. And sometimes husbands want to hear the very same thing. Honey, what you think does matter to me. It's a two-way street. And so here we are with all of our patches and our broken places that God has healed through the years. And you know what? We're still growing. Can I get an amen? And I think the reason why you're here is because you want to continue to grow. Today was that practical time. Don't leave yet. We have a few more minutes. Stay here, honey. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Here it is right now. The most important thing, and I would rank this, if you had a list of 10 things, this will be number one or number two. Now, providing, let me make this point clear, husbands, wives, 
even though we live in a day and age where wives sometimes make more money than the husbands, that's okay. But don't let your wife always be the one always responsible for all the financial issues. Meaning, if you have to, if you have to, if you have to be a street sweeper before you're an executive, do that and contribute some kind of finances to the household. But, but, but what my wife is talking about is something vitally important to us. What most women want are two things. And the number one, and I've, we've discovered this, is they want, and especially in the Christian home, they want a man who's going to be the priest of the house. Somebody who wakes up in the morning and says, let's pray. Let's read our Bible together. Let's read a devotion together. Hey, let's study 2 Kings, the next chapter. We're in 2 Kings now and learning about the, the, uh, the kings of Israel and, and all the hullabaloo that went on between Elisha and Elijah and Ahab. We're reading our Bibles together. The best thing to do, priests, is call your wife to the table of grace. When a wife sees a husband that lives before the Lord, then she doesn't have any apprehensions about putting her life in the hand of a man who's being led by God's word. Amen, ladies? They want that. And I learned something else because I've talked to wives and husbands who eventually separated, even pastor's wives who said, you know, all the time that my husband was a pastor, he never gave me a key to his office. He never took me on a visit. During sermons, he never mentioned me. Never included me in anything. Minimized me. And they ended up on separate sides of the coin. And they ended up divorced. My wife has the key to my office. My wife and I know each other's past codes on all of our accounts. I told her to, I told her, to her husband once, he said, oh, no, 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 no. My wife ain't getting the past code to my email. And I asked him, so what are you hiding? Now, it's not that my wife is a busybody and I'm a busybody. But have you ever considered if something happened to either one of you? I know of a couple, something did happen to one. One died. And the other one did not have a clue about the passcodes to get into the bank account. So they had to go through this lengthy rigmarole to prove that she was the spouse because he didn't have her name on anything. And his, his excuse was, she doesn't need to know my business. We have the same account together. Amen. Check an account we share together. Savings account we share together. If I have a credit card, she has a copy of it. If she has a credit card, I have a copy of it. And you know what? You learn that being one is more than just being one at the altar. When I buy something, she says, tell me about it. When I buy her something, she says, Tell me about it now. Every now and then I like to sneak up on her with a surprise, and that's a good thing. And every now and then she likes to sneak up on me with a surprise, and that's not a bad thing either. I like that. Because I remember the songs that I wrote. One day I came home from, um, when we lived in California, I came home, and I had a keyboard, and I noticed I went over to my keyboard, and it was a flag over it, a Jamaican flag. And I moved the Jamaican flag because she knew where my keyboard was, and it was another keyboard there. And do you know what? That keyboard is the keyboard that I wrote seven original songs about my life story. Many of you don't know my life story. Abandoned at three months old, left at an Adventist babysitter, 
And I have a CD that's at the ABC called, called Never Alone. And seven of those original songs are the result of my wife thinking outside the box, blessing my life. When I was in Australia, I went to Australia for the sole purpose of when I'm done with these concerts and I come back home, I want to sing so I can raise enough money to buy my wife a laptop for Christmas. And you know what? I had just been injured in a severe elbow accident, almost lost my voice. I only had a three-note range. And when I came out on the audience stage, talking about the interests of each other, when I came out on the audience stage that night, and they gave me this big welcome all the way from the United States of America. You've heard him with the Heritage Singers and Amazing Facts. And, blah, blah, blah. and I came out. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That injury, I had just a three-note range. And I thought to myself, I'm not... I'm not going to sell anything tonight. Nobody wants to. I sang three songs and walked off, and the audience was quiet. And I felt embarrassed. And Danny Shelton said, John, what happened? I said, I just don't have the voice. But it was too late for me to, get, to take my ticket back. And I said, I guess all my plans are not going to come to fruition because I can't sing. Nobody wants to buy CDs from a guy that can't sing. And you know what the Lord showed me? He honored my heart. That night, every CD I had was sold because he knew it was not, not self-aggrandizement I was singing for, but I wanted to bless my wife. And I came home, and for Christmas, I surprised her with a brand-new laptop. And uh, it's time for another one because that one is old. It's like a boat anchor now. But the point I'm trying to make today, our presentation, here's the purpose of our presentation today. We wanted to just let you just know some of the practicalities. How when you live for the interests of the other, you'll discover it's like putting money in a bank. It's like putting fuel in your car. It's like putting sugar in a bitter drink. You'll discover that your life will be much more enjoyable, much more blessed. When you listen, when you do what? Listen how? Say it again empathetically put yourself in her shoes put yourself in his shoes say yes honey I understand if she says no you don't understand yet it's okay well then tell me further when you understand and when they know that you want to understand when they even see you trying they'll lighten up and your relationship will be so much more beautiful amen, amen. empathetic not egocentric let's see that together Empathetic, not egocentric. It's not always about you. It should be about the person that God has given you to love. Now, tomorrow, we're going to talk about the 10 steps of conflict resolution, either that one or we're going to talk about the, 10, the top 10 reasons why relationships disintegrate. And then we're going to talk about the 10 steps of conflict resolution, okay? So, can we pray together? Let's pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that every day the world can be a brighter place when husband and wife can face it with compassion, with love, with support, with forgiveness, with giving each other the opportunity to start all over again, with a card for grace rather than just a card for justice. 
We pray for the couples represented here, for the marriages represented here. And we know, Lord, that it's not possible for us to address all the issues that each one of these couples is confronted with. But we do pray that the principles that we have conveyed will give them courage and strength to move forward in a positive way and realize no matter how long we've been married, we can still grow. We are living in the grace of Christ and anything living can continue to grow. Bless us. May we love as you love and care as you cared. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.